Hello. Uh, what do you want? What are your passions? What do you love? Goals are serious. And I'm of the opinion that goals are necessary to have in order to live a life that strays from sadness. I guess how I feel is uh, you need goals in order to live a happier life. But what is it to have goals, right? Like, what is it to uh, focus your passion into skills that will ultimately achieve these goals? That, my friend, is ambition. This is Chris Kavner here, and today I want to explore ambition. Ambitionness? Ambitional ambiguity? I don't know. Are any of these words... I literally don't know. <laughs> um, all I know is that this is cheaper than therapy. Welcome back. By the way, my kids were home when I recorded this, so you might hear them yelling in the background. <laughs> don't, uh, don't fucking judge me, okay? So one of the things I've noticed in my life is that people who are close to me, you know, that come from let's say like different categories of acquaintance have always told me that I'm ambitious. Now, is this a compliment or just them recognizing that I'm constantly um, attempting to reach goals that are outside of my skill level? <laughs> nah, yeah, I'm not going to go there. You know, that's some negative shit. I'm not going to nurture today. Fuck it. So yeah. Uh, so they say I'm ambitious. You know, this is something my family says, my friends say, and this is one of the reasons my wife, or so she's told me, uh, it helped her decide to fall in love with me. Hmm. Decide to fall in love. So it was a choice? Was it a goal? Was she ambitious to find a soulmate? Let me ask her. So yeah, uh, she says, and I quote, I wrote this down. Yeah, okay. To be able to give myself to someone, to be able to receive love was a big thing for me. It wasn't something I needed to achieve. It just kind of happened, too. I know that it was always inspiring that you had these big goals and you never gave up on them, you know? And, end quote. Uh, and then she said some other stuff, but uh, I stopped taking notes because my son pooped. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong to say it was a goal of hers to fall in love and find a life partner. I know I wasn't looking for love when I fell in love with her. You know, I was of the opinion that love was dead. That uh, it was some ancient idea of romance and not necessarily, um, you know, uh, fundamental in uh, living a fulfilling life. But alas, you know, my knight in shining armor, so to speak, rode into my life on the horse from that Steve Miller Band logo, and I was smitten. Yeah, no, that's an inside joke. My wife loves Steve Miller Band because she's white trash. No, no, she's not. I am the trash that is white. Give me the mayonnaise. Ugh. Anyways, all I know is that people liked or still do like the fact that um, I have ambition and I do what I can when I have the time to make these dreams of mine a reality. I mean, that's what ambition is, right? 
And I'm assuming that because I share my passion with people and I actively talk about what I want, others might find that inspiring. The negative in me thinks that because most folk believe I'm incapable of achieving these goals. Uh, so they're like, wow, he has no chance, but he's really going for it. So inspiring. You know, like I'm some sort of, I don't know, toothless carnivore hunting down prey. It's like, oh, wow, he's got the heart, but uh, it's just impossible. Yeah, no, there's a necessary uh, component there I'm lacking or whatever, you know, to really make it in life. But I got to stop talking like that. I got to stop thinking that way, you know, because then I think to myself, wait, that can't be the truth, because why would that be a reason someone would love me? Why would that be a reason people would like say and compliment me? Hey, you're ambitious. You know, maybe it's endearing, but no, that's got to be wrong, too. What can I relate this to in order to give myself some perspective? Um, OK, wait, I got it. Yeah. So uh, my dad who had been drinking his entire life, got sober a few years ago. And yeah, I mean, I could... Okay, like, okay. Here, here's just... Let me just give you an idea of how it was, okay? I could recognize the Labatt 50 logo before I could recognize the Nike logo. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what I learned what a 5 and a 0 together was, and I made a 50. Anyway, so that just gives you an idea of how uh, normalized his alcoholism was. But here's the point of my father's sobriety. Honestly, I don't know if you'd describe it as ambition, but I mean, I'm sure sobriety was a goal in his head, you know, deep down inside of himself, if not anywhere else. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he'd probably been working toward it. Maybe. I don't know. But it took a bout with phlebitis to turn him around, you know, and then actually get sober. Now, that is something I admire and inspires me to do something great. And I definitely don't feel like... He's some, you know, gummy cheetah trying to take down a gazelle. So, yeah, not endearing at all, actually. Maybe the word I'm looking for is admirable. All right, so there's some perspective on ambition. Can I really call it ambition, though? Or is it just like the fear of death? Since alcohol was pushing my father towards that direction, when phlebitis was added to the mix, it was too much for him, and the fear caused him to change. So basically, is it fear of death? Or is it ambition to live? Huh. I mean, I guess you have to choose one and flow with it. See where it takes you. Could be both. Anyways, when I think of my own ambition, I can only be brought back to this um, idea, which I'm sure you've heard before, but that uh, happiness isn't a destination. It's a journey, which is so tacky. <laughs> but it's true, I guess. Uh, like, if you live your life thinking that, when this happens, I'll be happy. You'll never be happy because there's always going to be another this that may or may not happen. So what I think is like a concrete is to focus on the in-between of now and then, which is why I guess I uh, resonate with that dense saying, you know, happiness is the journey. Uh, and that definitely coincides with what I've been applying to my life, you know, and how I've been able to convince my mind out of depression, which, by the way, is an ongoing battle because I allow myself to slip into it sometimes. Yeah, I'm taking credit for my depression. I only let it take me sometimes because I allow it, but also because I don't see another way out. Um, but here's what I think. If you do things in which you enjoy the process of doing them, there is no failure. Huh? You're going to extract 
happiness from doing the work itself. And because you're doing an action that agrees with your ambition, what does the end result really matter? Then there is no, I'm going to be happy when this happens. I'm happy now because I am doing what makes me happy. You know, I speak of how following my ambitions can dig me out of a depression. And that is very true. But you know what one of my ambitions are? To not be depressed anymore. You know, as someone with persistent depressive disorder, it's definitely a goal for me to shed that. But, you know, I don't know how mental illness uh, or health, you know, works. Like, it's not like having a broken leg, you put a cast on it and it gets better. There's no fucking casts for your mind. Yeah, that's kind of hard to hear, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, one of my ambitions is to not be depressed anymore. So as soon as I'm able to make that clear to myself when I'm in a bout of depression, the ambition to be content begins to take form, and I will soon do things in order to reach that specific goal. It almost becomes... um self-nourishing in a way. You know, feeling like shit is not an option. So what can I do to feel good about myself? Okay, so I'll give you like a little uh, example, okay? So I go write something when I don't feel good about myself. And so it's like, oh, wow, I forgot I had a voice. Now I feel good. Oh, but now it's been a couple days and I feel like I haven't touched what I've wrote. I feel like shit. Wait, that's not an option anymore because now I'm going to go right again or do something that encourages my happiness. Can you see how it becomes like a cycle? It's like I feel shit, I feel like good, I feel like shit, I feel like good. Anyways, this happiness and depression are still playing ping pong inside of my head. But now I'm trying to focus on the happiness aspect. And sometimes it feels like I'm sort of doing uh, the right thing or going about it the right way. So... I'll lay out what I want, and you tell me if I'm crazy. Now, I have achieved a lot within my 30 years on this earth, but my desire for greatness leads me to want more than just the regular day-to-day life. And this is where my ambition lies. I don't want to say I'm not going to be happy until I'm doing what I want, but I do have a sincere belief that if I were to be doing what I love every day, that my quality of life would immediately increase. Now, what is it that I specifically want? What drives my depression or my ambition? Well, a lot of things, but the main theme that I've noticed in my life was that all I want to do is act. I know, right? That sounds so funny. I just want to be an actor. Let me perform, mommy. Uh, (laughs) No, I want to be an actor on set in movies. I want to be working that um, muscle every day. And I, I think that'll satiate that hunger I feel deep down in my heart. But is that possible? I don't know. But I do know that all I can do is move my life in the direction of achieving that. That's what I'm in control of. You know, the journey, right? Anyways, and I think I've, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. I feel most professionally myself when I'm on set, um, in the zone, if you will. Now, does that mean I'm any good at what I do? Hell no. Does it mean that I love it? Hell yes. And I feel like my skills have been justified, though. You know what I mean? 
like because I've been hired or, you know, I've been honored to be a part of amazing projects over my career thus far. And I've been complimented by someone I look up to, you know? Uh, you know, I didn't want to do this, but fuck it. Okay, this is my podcast, so uh, I'm going to share with you my story and hope that it inspires you to go after what you want. And if it sounds like you don't, I don't make any sense right now, it's that it's just because I'm uncomfortable saying this. Okay, so this is the story that I'm going to tell you is I, I'm sharing it at the risk, mind you, of sounding like some uh, complete, arrogant, conceited dork. Anyways, so here it goes. All right. So the first comedy that I saw that shared my, like, dirty, comedic sensitivity was The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Now, while Steve Carell is amazing in it, you know, the star of the show for me was Seth Rogen. His character's story about going to Mexico and seeing a live donkey show. I mean, man, I think I would quote that daily when I was 19. In fact, I even had, like, this oral presentation in, uh, like, a French class in Egypt, which is, like, mini university for everybody who never went there whatever and uh i even translated that story into french because i thought it was so hilarious so looking back on that now i mean it wasn't funny at all but i was a teenager and i didn't give a fuck can you just imagine me standing in front of like a group of like 30 other 19 year olds and just being like on était allé à mexique et on a vu i don't even know how to say donkey in french cheval that's that's definitely horse. Okay, you know what? Let's not test my French. Anyways, so I just think that, like, Seth Rogen, this actor, is great, and I admire his style of comedy, his performance choices, and the projects that he attaches himself to. And since then, I've seen all, if not most, of the films he's been with. I guess you could say I'm a fan, but in a way, it's like, since we're in the same industry, I look up to this dude's career. It's like being a painter and thinking Picasso is dope. You know, so um, last year or the year before, there was this movie shooting in Montreal and Seth Rogen was the lead in it. So when I found that out, I was like, oh, man, I hope I get a part in this because, you know, in life and I'm going to get sentimental here uh, in life, you may not have so many chances to do something so close to what your main objective is. And as an actor who doesn't necessarily live in the greatest city for that specific profession, there's a chance to work with one of your most influential artists. And like, that never happens. That shouldn't happen. But here we go, man, you know, I gotta get in on that. So here's how it went down. All right, I was initially up for a decently sized role in this Rogan project, and I was so stoked. I learned my lines backwards and forwards, made some choices that I thought were hilarious, and I went in there, and I did my thing, and the only thing I can say that hindered my chances of getting the specific part were that I noticed when I, ooh, um, this is hard for me to say, when I auditioned at this particular casting house, my quote-unquote job interview anxiety, as I like to call it, you know, kicks right in, depending on who's running the audition. And of course, uh, the person running the audition was a person that I allow to affect me in such a way. You know, so why would it be any different? It's like life being like, can you really do this? Are you ready? Anyways, so I do my best to overcome uh, this issue and perform at about like 60%. And then I walk out of my audition and I feel like I didn't get it. And you know what? I didn't get it. Wow. Could you believe it? Well, you know, I didn't book that role. 
And I wish this was a story that was more beautiful and had some better conventional success to it, but it's not because it's a true story. Anyway, so I guess uh, filming for the project starts, and in my head, you know, this whole month or so, I'm turning this over and over in my head again, like, how do I get on set for this film? Do I just go and do extra work, even though whatever, it sucks to be an extra, at least in my opinion? Um, you know, it's definitely something I gotta be a part of, because, you know, who knows when a crew of this caliber or project will be back in town? I may never get another shot. So what ends up happening is that during this period, I had switched uh, my representation, which is like my agent. And uh, I had been with the same agent for a while, and although she was great, I was going through a major adjustment in my life, you know, not only professional, but personal as well. So I had just finished therapy, and I felt like I was ready to take some, you know, new decisions, so I did, and that was cool. And then um, what uh, was so cool about this new agent is that uh, the, the the new agent I signed with was a fan of Seth Rogen. So when I expressed my sentiment to work on this project, even though I had already, uh, quote-unquote, lost the role, she was able to make at least another audition happen. And I was like, whoa, you know, like, because she's into it, I'm into it, and, you know, art works like that sometimes. If you both want the same thing, it's easier. And in a true testament to this agent's skill, I had an audition for a very small role. And when I went in... Do you know who was running the audition? Yep, the one I always get anxiety in front of, <laughs> you know. But look, this time, I'm expecting it. So, I go in. I do the damn thing. And a couple days later, I get the call that I booked this gig. Dude, I was so hyped. And, like, I finally get to share a credit with Seth Rogen. And then I see that the director is Jonathan Levine, who I've already worked with before. So everything is, like, super awesome. So a couple weeks later, I get to set and I make sure, like, I'm on point. Uh, everything John is telling me to do, I got it. We're improvising. We're laughing. Good vibes all around. Anyways, so it was just like a day of shooting. And I'm on set for, like, three hours. Whatever. But I swear, it was the greatest set experience I've had. Except for, you know, the times I've been acting or directing in my own projects. I didn't, however, get to meet Seth Rogen that day. But I got to chat with Jonathan Levine and test out his sense of humor. Which I learned isn't the same as mine, by the way. He took my self-deprecation as a, like, judgment on his professionalism. Okay, let me explain. So I mentioned uh, I got to work with him before. It was on Warm Bodies. And he goes, uh, oh, cool. What did you play again? And I say, it doesn't matter, dude. It was just like a shitty role that got cut out anyway. And he goes, oh, okay. A shitty role. Sorry, man. Damn. <laughs> oh, but whatever. I think, like, I saved face with my performance in this movie, at least. Hopefully. Anyways, I'm straying from my ambition-themed story here. So yeah, disappointing I didn't get to hang out slash officially work with Seth Rogen on set, but whatever. A few months later, I get an email, and it's to invite me to the Project's rap party. Now, <laughs> at this point, I'm like seven and a half years sober, so every time I get invited to these things, I assume they're not for me. But my wife, supporting gal that she is, insists that I go. So I'm like, yeah, okay. So I take the night off work, and I go. I show up alone, as you do to these things, hoping that, you know, I might know a few other actors. Luckily, I do, and they're all in a good mood. And we're having fun, and you look over, and you literally see, like, Hollywood elite in the same room as you. Like, friggin' Charlie's Theron, and she's hanging out with Seth Rogen, June Diane Raphael, Paul Shear. You know, it's insane. And to say, 
I'm sure Paul Shear would laugh if I was like, hey, he's Hollywood elite. But you know what, man? You really are. So I recognize this girl slash woman. You know what? I call females the same age as me girls. I may have some sort of internalized sexism there. Wow. Anyways, so I served her at the restaurant I had been working at. And I go say hi. You know, recently I'd served her and her friends. Whatever. It doesn't matter. She has a friend with her. And they both worked on the project as either, like, uh, ADs or some sort of interesting film gig that I'm assuming is difficult long hours in comparison to dumb acting. They tell me that on the day that I shot, uh, afterwards, Seth Rogen showed up to set and he asked to see what I did. When they showed him, he literally made everyone stand there and watch my takes because he thought they were so hilarious. So these boss-ass homie girls take, tell me the story and I'm like, What? That is so fucking insane. And then they offer to introduce me to Seth Rogen. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yes, please. You know, like, damn, like, I can't believe this is happening. It's literally like, I don't know, I'm on cloud nine, you know. So they bring me over and I get introduced to Seth Rogen. And you know what he does? He starts complimenting me. Like, imitating what I did in the movie and laughing about it. And, and like, in typical Seth Rogen style, he's like, dude, you're hilarious. Ha 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 ha. And I'm like, no, you are. You're hilarious, man. Anyways, so we chat for a bit. And, you know, I can actually sound like a human. And I'm like, what? Uh, my legs are numb because of, like, adrenaline. Anyways, and the conversation ends because he's smoking or vaping weed or whatever. And I guess he caught on to my sobriety, maybe. Who knows? No matter. Uh, it was a goddamn pleasure. And, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. But I did. And it was a great experience. Anyway, so thank you to, um, you know... Uh, the the two professional women who decided to share with me because they could have easily not told me that um, somebody was impressed by my work and that somebody happened to be Seth Rogen and introducing me. I'm like forever grateful. I know I've reached out on social media to thank you again. And, uh, you know, now I'm just saying it in my podcast, straight up thank you. I think what I took away from uh, this uh, thing that happened, uh, it was it really validated my ambitions. Like, yes. If talent is a measure of your taste and stuff, your skill set, and your ability to match those two and create something, then my performance in that film garnered attention from my taste in film and comedy. And I have been living off this experience for, like, over a year. It was satiating. Like, if you were a singer, right? And uh, Adele was like, hey, you have an amazing voice, and I'm very happy to work with you on a song. You know, or something. I don't know what the exact comparison would be, but, uh, you know, and whatever. You know, this is why I didn't want to tell the story. It sounds like I'm sucking my own stamen. But, hey, this happened, and that's the way I told it, right? Whatever. You know, what's funny about this whole thing is that, you know, that whole thing with Jonathan Levine at the beginning of the story I was telling, like, hey, how uh, I said, like, oh, it was just some shitty role, whatever, that got cut out. Um, when I'm leaving that rap party... I go and I say bye to, like, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron and all these people just because, you know, I don't know, because I can, because we met before and it's fine. And then uh, so uh, Jonathan Levine goes to me and goes, hey, buddy, so for this movie, you're, like, 80% still in it, okay? I'll try not to cut you out. And I'm like, dude, whatever, you know, just do what's good for the story, <laughs> you know? But, like, that fucking vibe to me is weird. Now that the movie has come out and it's out on video, um, I haven't seen it because on IMDb – uh, I, I have the credit on IMDb, but it says uncredited. So that means that um, I basically got cut out, and I got cut out so bad that I didn't even show up as 
in the credits at the end of the movie. See, like, look, I got to take this negative turn into this great story about, you know, following your ambition, whatever. And then I take this thing and it's like, and then guess what happened? Even though they liked my performance and shit, I still got cut out. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's just, it's just typical, typical, typical. Oh God, I don't know what to say now. See, now, now look, I tried to make like this inspiring episode and now it's sad. No, I don't know. Like I said, the, the whole point I do this is because I feel fucking happy when I'm acting and I'm on set and I'm, you know, telling a story. I don't do it to watch myself in these fucking movies because honestly, I can barely look at myself in the mirror, let alone watch myself act for hours and hours. You know, if I have to edit something I'm in, then I can fucking do it because I'm also editing and I'm working. So it's not the same thing. But to like to recreationally watch what I do. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, But look, I got cut out of the movie, man. Even though it was like the greatest experience of my life. There's no proof there. Like it's probably the footage I did or shot or whatever is probably sitting on a hard drive somewhere in L.A. Gathering cobwebs, and Jonathan Levine is just a nice guy that I think ru- I rubbed the wrong way, and uh, I don't blame him for cutting me out of the movie because I said some dumb shit to him. Uh, if he did cut me out of the movie at all, because yeah, I didn't see it, and I won't see it. <laughs> Anyways, so I guess that uh, I'll wrap this podcast up with a little uh, bow here and say. Use your ambition. We all have it. It's something deep inside of us that nudges us to work hard. It's inside you. Use it. If you don't think you have it, find it. The ambition is there, and it's up to you to bring it out. So that is your responsibility to yourself. You know, you owe it to yourself to enjoy your life. And once you begin to apply action to what you want that's when happiness sprouts and blooms. As usual, um, I'm going to welcome any comments or questions about this episode. Drop me an MP3 recording of what you want to say via FB or uh, my website, my email, uh, chris at chriscavener.com, and uh, we'll keep the conversation going. All right? I hope this worked. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, this is Chris Kavner signing off. This has been Cheaper Than Therapy, and I haven't made new music yet, so cue the shitty fucking outro. Goodbye. Goodbye.